Hi there. Welcome to the weekend. Grab yourself a coffee and put your feet up. We're going to take you to Burgundy for a bit of a history lesson. It wouldn't be right to discuss wine week after week without discussing the wine that every wine connoisseur knows to be the Holy Grail. The wine of wines. The wine few have had or owned, yet the wine that many will have dreamt about, even fibbed about having experienced. There is a piece of earth located in Burgundy that for centuries has produced what some have described as a supplement to the soul, a wine that gives wings to the dreams of others. Although rarity does not make for quality, in this case, rarity is not simply a consequence, but is a fact based in the truth that what Domain Romani Conti has drawn from the earth for centuries is indeed the stuff of dreams and legends, and rightfully so. You can hear the iconic letters D-R-C spoken of in hushed and revered tones for a very good reason. Yet, once in a while, someone will say, never heard of it, any good? And walk away. The legend of Romani Conti Vineyard goes back a long way and is mentioned first in 1232, when the vineyard was owned by the monastery of Saint Vivant. The monks were the largest landowners during that period in Von Romani and owned most of what we know today as Grand Cru Vineyards. Even back then, when the vineyard was still called Cru de Clos, it was considered one of the very best parcels. The wines from here were traded at more than six times the price of the wines from Clos de Vougeot, the largest Grand Cru vineyard in the area. The Benedictines and Cistercian monks, both rivals politically, worked side by side with landowners to work the land, purportedly known to eat samples of soil, choosing the best plots to plant vines. Eventually, that backbreaking labor of the monks turned to a more gentlemanly fashion as owner-tenders. It was once said that Burgundy was the wrong place to grow vines. The church insisted at one point that beans and peas would be a better sustainable crop, but Benedict required all monks eat bread and drink wine each day. So if you need to drink wine, you need to grow grapes. The power struggle between the monastic orders and the secular landowners, not to mention the redirecting of power by more than one king, meant that these vineyards changed hands fairly often. Centuries later, the vineyards were taken over by the Belgian nobleman Philippe de Krunenberg through marriage. Jacques Venot and his wife transferred ownership to their daughter Jean Venot and her husband Philippe de Krunenberg. Nice wedding present. At this time, Latache and Romany had been purchased together in 1631 by the de Krunenberg family. Philippe died in 1638 and his wife took over as sole owner and changed the property name simply to La Romany. Four generations of Krunenbergs passed, and Philippe III, notoriously in debt, little by little had to sell off the estate, and died, still in debt, in 1760. Eventually, with loans and debt incurred, he had to sell off the vineyard with what turned into a bidding war between Madame de Pompadour, Louis XV's mistress, and Louis-Francois-Joseph de Bourbon. Meanwhile, within another bloodline, Things changed in 1727 when Louis-François-Joseph de Bourbon, who was actually the first cousin to King Louis XV, upon his father's death, inherited the title of Sixth Prince of Conti. You can see where this is going. Born into nobility and part of the aristocracy, he enjoyed the company of Diderot, Rousseau, and even Mozart. Louis-de-François de Conti was also the lord of Argili and Nui, and also an ardent nemesis of Madame de Pompadour, the king's mistress. Well. On July 18, 1760, the Prince of Conti bought La Romanie near Nui. The bidding war between the Prince of Conti and Madame de Pompadour drove the price up so far that it is reported that the Prince of Conti paid twice the book value for the property. This prince, however, didn't like sharing. 
When he bought the prestigious vineyard in 1760, the Prince of Conti took all of its wines off the market, hoarding every bottle for his personal consumption, the downfall being no wages earned by this storied property. Despite having a reputation for throwing lavish Parisian parties, the prince refused to share the wines from Romani Conti vineyards with even his closest friends. Only at his dinner table could one experience what he had dearly paid for. Jumped to 1789 in the French Revolution, the sixth prince of Conti feared for his life and fled to Turin. A few years later, thought safe, he returned in 1793. But the prince found himself a prisoner in Marseille at the height of the terror in Maximilian Robespierre's power and sees all of his lands confiscated. The last prince of Conti, eventually exiled to Spain, died at the age of 80 with no ties to La Romanie. Ironically, in 1794, the phrase La Romanie Conti is the first time it is attached to the property. The property has changed hands over the years and in some cases was not a good moneymaker, so debt forced its sale a few times. On August 7, 1869, the vineyards were auctioned off. For 239,000 francs, Paul Guillemot of Dijon bought the property but soon flipped it for 260,000 francs, selling to Jacques-Marie Duval Blochon. At this time, Duval Blochon family had acquired the vineyard and then added additional lands to make up the current eight vineyards known as DRC. The surnames of Duval Blochon, through marriage, eventually shared the names Chambon, one Cécile Guillot, yes, that Guillot, and Marie Dominique Godin, ni Chambon, with partial sales of land and repurchases within the family and partnerships thereof. The families maintained ownership. It is at this time, the 20th century, mid World War II, when Romani Conti enters more modern times. In 1942, Henri Lois bought half of La Romani Conti as it fell on hard times. Lois partnered up with Edmond de Villain and eventually his son Henri. Lois oversaw replacing a lot of the old vines in 1947 and 1948, so a couple flagship wines never actually saw a vintage. In fact, many have tried to impress a room full of strangers by saying they've had a 1947 or a 1949 vintage of Romani Conti. Too bad it was never put in bottle. Co-owner of the Romani Conti family estate with the Lois family, Aubert de Villain, hesitated for a long time before following in the footsteps of his father. After studying law and literature, he flew to New York and began his career by importing wines from Burgundy. Passionate about wine, he also devoted himself to journalism and interviewed, among others, Robert Mondavi in 1966. It was during this period that his father called him to his side. He started out as an apprentice at the estate. Since then, he has continued to put his dedication, passion, and high standards at the service of Romani Conti, which continues to produce the greatest red wines in the world. Rumors of sales to global syndicates have otherwise swirled in the narrow streets of Von Romani, but the family has now established a business that should be able to withstand acquisition attempts, in contrast to what we saw with the Clos de Lambray and Clos de Tarte, both of which were taken over by large French corporations. It has always been the case that the two sides of the family each had a manager in the daily running of the business, and that is still the case. That makes for a good, healthy balance. Today, the domain is run on the exterior by Aubert de Villain, who has been co-managing since the early 70s, in the years from 73 to 92, together with the prestigious Madame Lalou Bise-Lois. This period, in particular, was decisive for the estate as it switched to organic wine growing and gained even more control over the process in the vineyard. Unfortunately, the collaboration ended in 1992 after an internal disagreement, but Madame Lois still owns 25% of DRC. Today, the daughter of Lalou Bise Lois, Perrine Fenal, is the other co-manager. The wines that make up the parcel of DRC, Corton, Echezot, Grand Echezot, Richebourg, 
Romani Saint-Vivant, Latache, Le Montrachet, and of course Romani Conti are easily the most sought-after wines on the planet and definitely hold within a characteristic flavor profile that could never be replicated. To put scarcity in perspective, the vineyard of the Monopole, or Monopoly, of Romani Conti is only just over one hectare, with the vine age averaging 50 years. Latache is all six hectares, with again, vines being roughly 50 years old. Actually, there's a story, I think from the 1970s, the Gumboot Caper, about someone who snuck onto the DRC property and stole vines, stowed them away in luggage that made its way back to New Zealand, believe it or not, but you may want to try some of the Pinot Noirs coming from the central Otago region on New Zealand's South Island. Your pocketbook most likely will never allow for you to try DRC. But there is always the rest of Burgundy and a few other spots on this planet that will sustain we Pinot Noir lovers. Enjoy the weekend. Drink more wine! Don't forget, for the rest of the month of May, you have an opportunity every Thursday to win yourself a Coravin. All you have to do is listen to the podcast for the word of the day. Send that word of the day to james at halpernwine.com and you've entered. And also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. <laughs>